Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Uh, let's see if I can get her name right. Uh, Milica Velimirovic. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the environmental risks of nanomaterials, including nanoplastics and indoor airborne microplastics and nanoplastics. So, Milica, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you, Richard, a lot. Uh, yeah, for, for me, yeah, I don't know where to start with because a lot of people already know a lot about the, the plastic, the plastic waste, about the, the single-use plastic. But I think most of people is not aware that uh, there is also another part of the plastic story, which is the nanoplastics. And these are like the particles from one nanometer to thousand, thousand nanometers. And mostly these particles are not intentionally produced, but these particles are released from different consumer products. Uh, in our daily life. So if you just take a cup of tea and the tea bag is made from plastic, they're going to release thousands of na- uh, nanoplastic particles in your tea. Question here. So what are, what are the most I don't know, important factors that cause microplastics or nanoplastics to be released? Like if you have a cap of a soda and you twist it off, will you shear off microplastics? Or is temperature a lot more important? You know, if you put a drink, a hot drink in a plastic cup, will that peel off a lot of microplastics? And what's been observed to cause them? Yes, yes, you are you are right. So mostly, like the temperature will play a role because uh, in that case the particles can be dissolved and then precipitated, and then during the precipitation we are forming based on the different polymers. We are forming different particle sizes. Of course, if you just open the bottle, it can be like just due to the twisting, the mechanical degradation, and in that case, in most uh, in most cases you will see the microplastics. Of course. Of course, also if you have water, water and soda, it will also depend about on the conditions of your beverage. So, in certain cases, certain beverages, depending on their pH, um, can release less on, or more nanoplastics from, you know, like the food packaging material. Yeah, has anyone attempted to quantify? Let's say I have a, a soda, you know, with a pH of like five, that's sitting in a plastic bottle. You know, a typical soda, how much will it cause uh, the plastics to leach into the soda? You know, or again, temperature or abrasion, mechanical abrasion or shear. Has anyone quantified uh, how much this affects various materials? So basically, there are certain studies which now show that even the normal plastic bottle where or the normal mineral water will release certain nanoplastic materials. Still, it was not confirmed what uh, under what conditions this happened uh, because yeah, they were like just bottles taken from from the shop and basically like part analysis of the particles has been done. And based on these first studies, we can already say that. Uh, 
even just the normal water coming from the plastic bottles will contain thousands of uh, nanoplastics released. The theory, when you look around, probably it comes from like, let's say, the shelf time that the bottles on the shelf, like if they were exposed at the sun. Also, it can happen, you know, like just the mechanical abrasion if uh, the bottles were not prepared uh, well and produced well. But, you know, like there are like different factors that can impact the release of the particles, but there is uh, evidence that they are there. So we don't see them and the measuring techniques are still not that profound. But in several studies, we can already see that nanoplastics is present in our food and our beverages. So I've spoken to a lot of people about microplastics, but very few about nanoplastics. Do you focus literally on nanoplastics or microplastics too? And what is different about micro versus nano besides the size? What's different about the shape or the properties, et cetera? Yes, so in our team, we are mostly focusing on the nanoplastics. Why? Because we think uh, there is a knowledge gap about the nanoplastic itself. Of course, when we are talking about the microplastics, it's always the, the, the same topic, the shape, different composition, different particles, different sizes. It's the same for the nanoplastic as well. But when we are talking about the ingestion of microplastics, if you inject, ingest the microplastics, probably 95% you will excrete it. And when we are talking about the nanoplastics, it means that once when nanoplastics enters to your organism, it can cross the, the blood barriers. And in that case, you cannot excrete it. And then uh, you could have certain oxidative stress to your organism. And therefore, we think that it's also important to stress out that the research on the nanoplastics is very important. And this is why we are mostly trying to develop method, methods to track the nanoplastics in different matrices. Right now, we have like several projects running, two of them Marikiri postdoctoral fellowships, where we are looking uh, of, on the release of the nanoplastics from the let's say, the, the, the plastic bottles, whether they are recycled or uh, single-use bottles, multiple-use bottles. This is one part of our research. Second part is looking into the method development for detecting the nanoplastics in tissues. Right now, we are working with fish uh, tissues, and we have also a PhD student who is really working on the release of the nanoplastics plastic particles from different consumer products. When we are talking about different consumer products, yes, of course, yeah, everyone wants to know what we what we drink because in that case you are sure that you you're gonna you know like uh, ingest particles in your organisms. But inhalation is also uh, one important uh, factor how the nanoparticles can enter to our body. And uh, before we continue. I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. 
Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Are people studying um, inhalation of micro or nanoplastics versus uh, eating them? You know, does it move through the gut wall if you eat them? Or does it go into the intestines? You know, like, I guess the different methods of administration are people studying what happens to the plastics and where they go. So normally, right now, most of the studies are uh, the uh, studies where we see like uh, studies where people are working on the environmental samples and less on the humans. Although there are certain tests uh, which are mostly done with with the cells. Uh, in our case, in uh, in vitro, we are working uh, with the lung cells, and there you can expose the cells and see the oxidative stress of the cells once when the, the particles are introduced and in which concentrations. So basically, there are already standardized tests that can be used for this purpose. And uh, for now, uh, still, there is a, a lack of these uh, studies reported uh, in the literature. But overall, laboratories can do these kind of things. The only issue is right now that there are no standardized materials to perform these kind of tests because we are still at the early stages of knowing like uh, which materials and how will release the nanoplastics and once when we know like these are, these are the materials which are releasing uh, the particles and these are uh, the concentrations of particles that humans can be exposed then these type of studies can be properly done for now this is like then just the overestimation of the estimation based on the certain concentrations that are applied for the, the single cells, for instance. Well, you mentioned standardized tests. What are these tests and what do they show? So normally this is not uh, my uh, my area of the research because for me the most important is to develop the standardized uh, materials to detect the particles once when these kind of tests are performed. But there are different guidelines, especially in the Europe, like OECD guidelines, ESO guidelines, which are leading us to the certain ecotoxicology tests that uh, can be performed. But this is not uh, my expertise. My expertise is mostly like to look into the particles, uh, basically uh, how they are released uh, from that materials. And for that also, there are no standardized methods yet. So like the first uh, standardized methods for the microplastics analysis, we hope will be released next year. But for the nanoplastics, we are still at the beginning. So we don't have the standard methods. So have you, yeah, have you used uh, electron microscopy to look at the um, nanoplastics and what kind of uh, shapes are you seeing or morphologies or, yes. you know, what do you uh, observe about them? Yes, yeah, yeah. For me, this is a bit a hypothetical que question because people are always talking about the microscopy. So basically, when you look uh, to the electron microscopy, you could of course see like different shapes, but you cannot differentiate which uh, from which polymer particles come. And basically, like uh, in that perspective, other two techniques are used, and this is like micro FTIR and micro Raman, where uh, then you can also distinguish particles. Uh, the, the particle composition, like the polymer composition. But it's very interesting that you asked me this question because yeah, I'm really like discussing a lot about 
also techniques for, in general, nanopla- uh, nanoparticle analysis. And people only trust to do electron microscopy because they see how particles look and what is the size. But there is, you know, like uh, a plenty of different techniques that can be used to analyze, for instance, nanoparticles. But somehow uh, we always end with this question, how do you see them? Do you verify them on the microscope? Uh, Do you trust your analytical methods? So it's very interesting, this question that you asked me. Uh, But yeah, I can tell you, yes, we did uh, do also the electron microscopy. It's very hard to analyze these kind of particles under the microscope. But still, uh, the ones that we, we see, yeah, they can be different shape, uh, they can be different size. Uh, that's all what we expect, and that, that is actually very normal. What about functional groups on the plastic, or because of the morphology of the plastic, do you get very high electric fields? Because, you know, you may have a very sharp, let's say, corner, or, you know, a sharp edge to it, and maybe there's a very high, again, electric field because of the, the morphology of the plastic, the way the atoms are arranged. You see any of that? So basically, it's the the surface charge that will play a role. And once when the plastic particles are like in the nano size range, of course, they they will have like different surface charge. And this this different surface charge will bring different properties of nanoparticles. And basically, you know, like in that case, once when they are in the environment or they are, you know, like in our beverage or in our uh, our food, they can also the ones who are attracting or absorbing or interacting with uh, uh, other, uh, you know, like uh, contaminants in the environment, for instance, or they can have like bio uh, eco corona around them. So indeed, yeah, they have also like different surface properties, and depending on these super surface properties, uh, they will attract, in most cases, uh, other contaminants uh, on their surface. Yeah, there are already studies showing that uh, particles can uh, absorb uh, the bio-corona, that they can absorb uh, different metals on the surface, that they can also absorb different organic contaminants. So yeah, their surface is very active, especially ones when they are very small. In that case, they can attract uh, a lot of different contaminants with them as well. So this is uh, something that is very interesting and uh, definitely worth of investigating more. But what, what's the goals of your research? What are you trying to answer and figure out? So for us, is mostly to help the environmental scientists to understand processes which are ongoing. So main goal of my research is like to put the analytical techniques and to move them uh, further for the uh, environmental scientists that they can understand the processes which are ongoing in the environment regarding the nanoplastics, but also other scientists like uh, food scientists uh, to know like if there are certain release of particles from the food contact materials, from the packaging. So the main goal of the, my, my research is really like to develop analytical methods that can help other scientists to answer uh, their questions they have regarding the, the nanoplastics and their behavior, whether in the environment or in once when they are ingested or uh, inhaled. Well, what, do you, what do you mean by better understand them? What, what does that mean? So it what means, information have we been able to give? 
So basically, for just uh, an example of exposure studies, so you ha- you you can expose can perform the exposure studies with certain nanoplastics materials, but then you don't know how much of your par- you, you you don't know like how much of your particles was ingested or excreted. So these are all the things that scientists want to know, and then by the analytical methods. We can help them to understand. Okay, this is like the exposure level that was uh, that uh, certain organisms or cells were exposed, and then they know. Okay, this is exactly like what we expected in terms of of uh, the the response of the certain organism or the cell, and also we could track uh, if yeah, like if for instance particles are relocated, for instance from soil to to the plants. So there are different questions that can be asked by scientists regarding their hypothesis. And for us, it's like to help them to find an analytical solution to solve these questions. So they could see like they are, there is certain response on, the, for instance, plants on the nanoplastics, but they still need the analytics to understand like where this you know from where this exposure comes from how the particles are relocated to the plant and this kind of things that uh, the analytics is very important so okay what have you found out so far by looking at the uh, the nanoplastics like what unexpected uh, things have you learned about them so far uh, so and let's say let's say their interaction with cells what have you learned Okay, so you you are now. I I will have to definitely forward you to one of my colleagues who is an expert in the in the in the uh, cell exposure test. So basically, you know, like there are several studies showing that um, yeah, it's not only the particle size that it will really impact the yeah like impact the stress on the cell, but it's also like how the me- mechanics of the part of the particle itself so like you know if you have like particles with very rough surface they could they could how i i I can tell you that yeah like they could have higher stress cells than the ones which are you know like uh, with the with the with the nice surface and of course depending on the surface charge and also on the the different contaminants which are on the top of the on the particles will also play a role in the impact of the different plastic particles on the cells. But we have you have to know like that uh, once when we are talking about the cells, cells around like just one two micrometers. So then we really have to go to the nano nanometer size range in order to to know like uh, what's going on and if the the cells are taking up the particles or not. So if you have like particles which are in the micro size range, then this kind of the research and tests it doesn't have sense. And therefore, I'm telling you why we look more into the nanoplastics because I think that for the humans it will have like way more impact than the, the microplastics itself. Okay. Well, well, very good. Um, what's the best way for people to find out more about your research? Where can they go? They can go for uh, at our website, so msforplastics.vito.b. This is uh, one of uh, this is my web page about my my project. Uh, what they can also look for is our published 
our published articles, which are also available from that site. I have also uh, my personal blog, milica.b, which can be also seen. Uh, we have also ce for plastics.vito.b. Uh, so these are all, all the websites that uh, people can look for it. Of course, they can look for us at the research gate uh, as well. I would also like to mention one of actions that I am involved with. It's like cost action priority. We are many scientists right now in Europe working extensively on the topic of micro and nanoplastics and not ab uh, only about the analysis, but also in developing different analytical methods, but also they are working on the, the remediation and uh, the prevention. So it's a very nice platform to look at it as well. Well, very good. But Melitza, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I know it's late for you and I appreciate you showing up. Thank you. No, you are welcome. Thanks. Contact. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.